minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. We're ready to roll into NFL Week Two, whatever week of college football it is. There's still some baseball out there, believe it or not. And hockey, the puck's going to drop in, what, three, four weeks? Oh, so much to talk about, so much to be excited about. Let's cover as much of it as we possibly can. Eddie Spaghetti there in his usual spot behind the figurative glass. And... Boston's number one sports fan. I don't know. He's cynical enough about uh, about his own team. So can't wait to hear what his thoughts are about the Patriots after week one and heading to Pittsburgh, PA for a big game for two teams in week two. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Oh, well, obviously I'm I'm thrilled that, that football's underway and and not happy to have been so right about my Patriots. Just, you know. I mean, you 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 desperately want to be wrong when you you spend all summer going. This team is going to be terrible, and they're as terrible as you were concerned they would be. So you don't, you know, it doesn't feel good to be like I'm a genius. Under eight and a half. Sorry, no, but listen, I'm going to be mad if I think that'll be my chief emotion. Yeah, I'll, I'll be mad. You know, you ever play golf and the guy. Um, you, you put the ball from 20 feet and it's rolling and rolling and it looks like, oh, it might go in. And, and, and the guy goes before it goes in the hole, like, oh, got it. And then it, 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 uh, it rims out. That's, that's how I feel like you're doing right now. Trying to set me up as a Steelers fan, as your Patriots come to town, Steelers one and oh, with their, one of their typical knuckleball victories against the AFC defending champs, even on the banks of the three rivers. It's been nothing but tears from black and gold fans. Oh, it's such an ugly win. And they should put uh, pick it in. And what are we going to do without, uh, with, 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 without TJ Watt and, that was the defending chance. Remember six, eight months ago, everybody? Remember yeah. when everybody was going gaga about how if Tom Brady and Joe Montana had a baby, it would be Joe Burrow and all of that? He threw 37 picks on Sunday. <laughs> you know, the idea that it was like, the, yeah, that was a fluky win. Why? I don't understand when a defense carries the day that that's fluky, but when, uh, when Patrick Mahomes or whoever throws five touchdown passes somehow. Well, yeah, that's, that's par for the course. I, this is what the Steelers are trying to do. The interesting thing with this particular matchup with the Patriots is that's exactly what the Patriots are trying to do as yeah. well. We'll pick that one very, very quickly. We'll Let me that one. You know what the interesting thing about the Steelers Patriots matchup is What's nothing, that? nothing is interesting <laughs> about that matchup. <laughs> I mean, Watch, watch the announcers. Those two teams are going to be getting as we go through the season, and and they they vanish <laughs> into the basement of the standings. Nothing interesting uh, about that. I, my my bubble hasn't been burst just yet, though. And I, I did say I did say before the season that the Patriots may well start zero and four. Um, I'm leaning Patriots. Spoiler alert in this one in part because I picked the Bengals last week. And while no one else's superstitions matter, they're, they're silly, but mine count. And so what am I going to do if I'm a Steeler supporter? I have to bet the Patriots, not with actual dollars, though. That's a bridge too far for Damashek. It's now uh, the Pats lay in two and a half. It's, it's, it's a real head scratcher, yeah. right? Yeah, Mac, Mac Jones is missing practice, throwing up. I, he's ill. He's got a mysterious back injury. He, he watched the tape. He, he watched the tape of yeah. Joe Burrow. That, of course, that makes him sick. He floats everything, even when he's healthy. Uh, yeah, that line makes no sense to me. Hey, by the way, just 
as a warning to our listeners. Remember when we were growing up? I mean, when your friend got HBO and you're over, your your dad's a doctor. You probably had HBO, but you know, poor kids like me were over at our friend's house and they have HBO. And then you know that warning comes up, like what you're about to see and hear uh, on this movie. Uh, we should warn our listeners that I'm not going to be swearing. It's the opposite of oh, what yeah. HBO would do because we we usually do an hour and a half podcast, but. Once once I stop swearing, it's going to be 14 minutes total length. Uh, but but Spaghetti has has told me, um, thanks in part to big, big uh, goings on up above at corporate. Uh, I got to keep it clean. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do when we get to our goat and goat of the week. Well, well, we'll get to our new segment, Goat and Goat of the Week, in just a second here. I thought you were going to say they were going to run some sort of warning for football fans. If you like the beautiful game of football, Patriots-Steelers ain't it. <laughs> but uh, if you look at it from the other side of that coin, it should give you a sense of confidence. Whoever you are, whatever age you are, whatever station you've arrived at in life, if Mac Jones and Mitchell Trubisky can start NFL games, maybe you can too. Um <laughs> In the meantime, I do want to mention a couple of things. Extrapoints.com, get into the arcade, play with us, against us, against the spread. Lots of fun games for everybody from Extra Points for you to play us with. Some nice prizes available for you. All the great podcasts, of course. We got you all the way covered in both college pro football and well beyond there. And also, a quick plug for Mr. Lister, going into its second week next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, that's 4 p.m. Pacific. It's a sports trivia game with me and uh, Eddie Spaghetti. And last Tuesday, we had bald Brian Bishop from the Adam Carolla Show, a trivia wizard, if there ever was one, was on uh, um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire at one point, in fact. And uh, and then Ellie Honig from CNN, the legal analyst. It was a gangbusters affair. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday. And Hench, you absolutely must be it. This is this is a show made for you as a contestant. I say I'm made to be a game show host. You are made to be a sports trivia contestant. This is this is uh, I, you're well, calling listen, more than comedy I'm, writing. Even I I keep pitching to to our extra points. Uh, family is a trivia component on the website. I had another idea this morning. Like we got to like I obviously I'm shooting you guys trivia questions all the time. That's 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 half my day. Uh, we we got to have something up in the corner of the website uh, where you know you get a little uh, you get a little a present you get a little little uh, land yap a ten dollar bet or something if you get I like the that question right that's a nice thing and um, yeah we should we, we should do that but in the meantime Mr Lister Spotify Live download Spotify download Spotify Live you click in right when we tell you to at seven p.m. Eastern sharp going forward. I had some technical difficulties last Tuesday. I, I was a couple minutes late there. But either way, it's great fun. And it's, you know, sports fans love lists. Dave Damashek loves lists, of course. And so we go at trivia questions list style. You know what? I'm sorry. Quick detour here. We're going to pick all the week two college football, uh, pro football games and a couple of college for you, too. Some fat. I've seen it seems like the collective wisdom this week is not a very good batch of pro football games. Oh, contraire. I think these are some juicy games. I, I, I'm looking forward to getting no your such, thoughts. By the way, no such thing. There's no such thing as a bad slate of NFL games. They're NFL Touché. games. Like, it's like they're, by the way, I felt like week one 
was a very hard eliminator week in your suicide pool. Yeah. When you looked at the spreads and my big thing about the suicide pool, which I've never come remotely close to winning, is I don't like taking road teams. You know, if the even if the biggest spreads are on the road, I just want give me a big home favorite for the eliminator. And so I went through that list and I was on the Colts and our eliminator league might be different, but you have to lose to be eliminated. So I survived on the tie. But uh, but this week, I feel like there's a bunch of great games on. Oh, there's and there's some fat numbers out there, some double digit favorites in week two. That spooks me. Um, Thursday night football has yet to kick off at the time of this recording. I don't want to get too deep into that game, except to say Mahomes v. Uh, Herbert is fascinating and old story, or at least for the last six months. This is now people are presenting it. Russell Wilson. I, you know, I don't know where you come down on Monday night. I, I want to let you talk about that for a second. But I do think that it still stands that Derek Carr and Russell Wilson plus Herbert and Mahomes may be the best quartet of starting quarterbacks in one division um, the NFL's ever seen. But I did, I, people have asked me, is there a group that compares with that? I did scratch it out earlier this year. Is there a comp for what's going on in the 2022 AFC West? NFC North circa ought nine Favre Rogers are on the same are, are uh, on opposing teams at that point. Favre is a Vike, Jay Cutler and Matt Stafford with with uh, Dante Culpepper backing Stafford up. Ninety three AFC East uh, today is Danny Marino's birthday. Happy birthday to number thirteen and Jim Kelly and Boomer and Bledsoe's in the division and so is Jeff George. 2012 NFC East, RG3 in his magical year, Romo, Eli, and Vic. And 2015, the NFC South, you have the MVP Cam, you have Jameis, you have Drew Brees, and you have Matty Ice. I don't think any of those ultimately compare yeah, to what we're seeing right now. You're answering your own question if those are the nominees you've come up with. Because Is that they're, right? They're, they're, yeah. There's, there's kind of a dog with fleas in each of those groups. And, you know, obviously – when you look at Mahomes, he's already setting career records. Like you're like, uh, that's a record for number of games with five touchdowns and no picks. Like he's like, I, like how is he setting career records? The kid just got here. So he's going to the Hall of Fame. That's a, a mortal lock. Um, Russell Hustle Bustle also going to the Hall of Fame. Super Bowl champ that's going to end with massive total total numbers. Um Herbert, barring some unforeseen injury, looks Hall of Fame bound. So now you're talking about Derek Carr, who, as you and I both, both believe, is, is really underrated. So, you know, he's your Jay Cutler in that analogy, and he's better than all the worst quarterbacks you just mentioned. Oh, yeah, who, that's right. You know, so so I think this is this we are we are in the golden era that never have there been has there been a quartet of quarterbacks like these four guys um, playing playing against each other? And you know, I love I love picking the Thursday night game as I did last week, knowing people will be listening after the fact. So you know, I was just hanging out there on the Bills. I was like, yeah, the Bills are gonna the Bills the Bills are much better than the Rams. Like the Rams have regressed as we as we saw. I mean, major pieces that they didn't fix. Um, 
So I'll do the same thing just real quick. Even I love it. No, you know what? Let's do it. I th- let's make this a weekly feature. In fact, Eddie Spaghetti, yeah. let's get into let's bend the space time continuum. We don't know yet, but let's pretend the game has already been played. Ready, set, go. Hey, what do you think about that game in Arrowhead on oh Thursday night? Oh my god! Night, just as just as I predicted, a lot of Austin Eckler over fifty four and a half yards on the ground. That was easy. That cashed. Um, and you know, I've been saying all summer, and, and you agree. Chargers are the team to beat in the AFC. I said to myself, you know what? If it's they're going to have to prove it, and if they're going to prove it, it's going to be at Arrowhead. Now I know they, I know they lost by two, but I was getting four, uh, so so that bet covered. Uh, I, I loved, I loved the Chargers plus four. Uh, I, I feel like you know, I know people like to over over uh, weight re- week one. Obviously, the, the the Chiefs, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. But uh, the Chargers have closed that gap, and I still like them in the AFC West. Coming off a two-point loss in KC, how'd I do? I th- I think that was all right. I mean, I I maybe my TV was broadcasting <laughs> a different lost. feed or they something. But That's going to be good content when they lose by seventeen. The Chargers won by three, and as I told you in advance of the game, I'll oh. say it again. I hate to say I told you so. But I told you, Patrick Mahomes feasting on the Arizona Cardinals should not have been taken as some indication about what was going to happen against that Chargers defense. You saw Mac, you saw Bosa. That's scary stuff. Now Mahomes is going to see those two in his nightmares. The Chargers wow. won that game. That was good. And, and, and they combined to go over, which was a little surprising given that both those defenses have been tuned up a little bit. Right, Spaghetti? We got that right, didn't we? Well, my feed of the game on Amazon Prime, my phone, was a different outcome than what you guys had because what I saw was oh, no. the Chiefs won by double digits, and and it showed that the Cardinals are a good team. The Chiefs are just better than every other team. Patrick Holmes continued to spread the ball around, and we also now prove that the uh, the emergence or the reemergence of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who they did draft in the first round, Andy Reid has finally figured out how to use him correctly. Uh, the Chiefs have this new offense, and it's working. The Chargers are still a little smidge uh, away from being as good as the Chiefs, so pretty impressive oh by Kansas City on, on TNF. A, my Amazon feed was all effed up, I guess. No, I no, no, it, it's fine. Spaghetti, Spaghetti's been drunk for the last five days. He doesn't, he, he can't see straight. On one hand, he has Saquon and the Giants. On the other hand, he has the Fighting Irish. He's in his feelings. He, he's well, not to be trusted right now. Hey, speaking of which, so like as we start to throw out picks, which is good, I, this is, is a big part of what we do here. Mm. I don't want to get blamed for bringing this up. Because Spaghetti put it in the chat. So okay. I, I would not have brought it up if Spaghetti had not put it in the chat. But I feel like we we are obligated to tell our listeners how we did in week one. I don't I, I, I'm not one who lives life in the rearview mirror. Otherwise, I'd be happy to do that. It's just not my thing to do that. I'm about oh. looking for. OK, it didn't, it didn't go well. While it, you're not it, looking- it went poorly for me. Spaghetti pulled off a feat that you couldn't try to do. You couldn't try to know. do it. I don't know that if I've ever seen the one win landed in competition. Like Spaghetti uh, in our okay. in our weekly competition, you can be a part of it. As I say already, extrapoints.com, play along with us, uh, spread pool every week. Spaghetti got one out of 16 games, right? That's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible. No, no, obviously no golden retriever going to the Alpo Bowls would ever go one, one in 14. I mean, we don't, we don't add the Thursday game to our picks, but, um, Sheck, you can't, 
really make fun of spaghetti with your three and 12. Wow. I see. Wow. Uh, but listen, I, I caveat my picks every year. In week one, I say I, every time I say, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm a, okay. I have to do it. It's my requirement. I'll get stronger as the season pushes along. All right. I mean, yeah. I would not normally be crowing about going eight and seven. But if I'm on a podcast with you two guys, I am. I am the genius of geniuses. This I did. Week. I did. And three months prior, I picked the Bills to beat the Rams in SoFi. So I feel like that should count. for Add that. Okay. You can both add that to your total. I did that um, way. I did that way in advance very quickly since I promised it. And then we get into our game picks. Let's debut our new segment, goat of the week and goat of the week. Let me show you how it's done here, fellas. I'll make it uh, easy peasy for you. My goat of the week, week one NFL, Minka Fitzpatrick. I know there's a lot to celebrate. You can talk, oh, I don't want to take away anybody else's, but Geno Smith comes to mind and otherwise. But Minka Fitzpatrick, I he blocked an extra point with the game on the line. In your life, when will you ever see that again? When have you ever seen it before? That's crazy. Minka Fitzpatrick is your all capital G-O-A-T. My goat of the week, yeah, greatest of all time of the week. Right. All right. Now, I, I, you know, watching Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, you know, forget about the blocked extra point. He's bookending it with a pick six. Like he, he's, he's really dominating. You talk about what a bad game Burrow had, and it's like Minka Fitzpatrick had a lot to do with that, obviously. And then you go back to um, the so Brian Flores fired guy who traded Minka Fitzpatrick for a mid to late first round pick still has a job. Like you watch that guy, you're like, wait a second, what happened? And then they go like, well, he wasn't happy here. Well, it's like, he may not have been happy here, but that guy's a generational talent and you got to get a little bit more than a serviceable offensive lineman for that guy. Like it's, it's completely nuts. The irony of course is Minka Fitzpatrick played his way out of what he thought was a bad situation to get to a, a better situation. Dolphins look closer to me than the Steelers, but anyway, okay, go. That's, I do think I, that's that's an interesting point, and I'll, I'll talk about that when we get to the Ravens uh, Dolphins game. Okay, coming up here. By the way. Minka Fitzpatrick also in between splashy plays is meeting Joe Mixon in the hole and yeah, and, and incredible, him. incredible. That's that's week. the impressive thing. Um, now uh, my goat of the my, week. On, okay, you do both yours and then right, I do both. My goat of the week, on the other hand, not not to be mentioned, not to be mistaken for my goat of the week. My goat of the week, Seattle Seahawks fans. All right, Russell Wilson's a weirdo. And yeah, you were disappointed that, uh, that, or you were happy, I guess, to see him lose and maybe in your feelings because he left and everything, but you booed him? You're the Seattle Seahawks. You went to a Super Bowl and won it with Russell Wilson and you really had a second one right there for the taking. Maybe you still blame him for the pick six with Malcolm Butler. Maybe behind the scenes, he was a driving force in the divorce with Pete Carroll. It seems like that is the case in getting away from the Seahawks at large. But either way, this is a guy who gave you, who was a, or at least a, a the leading man, I think it's fair to say, or among the leading men, and giving you the most special era in... Is this crazy to say Seattle sports history? I don't think so. I don't think the Sonics ever had an era like what, and you boo him, shame the devil. I thought that was bad form by him, no matter how big a weirdo he is. 
It was wild. I mean, I was genuinely surprised. Like, you know, okay, you can be conflicted, uh, maybe not a, a hero's welcome, but like just being showered with booze from like a pretty chill city, you know. Yeah, like, right. That's I, another thing too. Yeah, they're not. It's not like it's Philadelphia where they were booing. Wow. Um, it was funny because on the Manning cast, uh, Peyton pointed out. He, he asked Eli, he "says Have you ever been individually booed? Like they're booing you?" And of course, they, they both knew that Eli did get booed in San Diego because it was like, you know, I won't. Okay, play. that makes sense. Yes, yeah, they should have booed play. him there. Totally right. makes sense. And then Peyton said, "Like I've never been individually booed," and like you're like, "Of course," because Colts fans would never boo. The, the guy that transformed the organization. So it is, I mean, you know, Russell Wilson isn't, you know, exactly what Peyton Manning was to Indy, but won as many Super Bowls as Peyton won in Indianapolis. So yeah, it was, it was wild. I, I, I want to say one more thing since you, I, I, you're right. They didn't boom. They cheered him. And that was nice when Peyton went back to Indy, but for the record, you can't let Colts fans off the hook like that. He had the bad neck, did Peyton. And so the season was was lost for that in that Colts year. What was that, 2011, I guess? Um, and so it's clear that they're going to have a shot at Andrew Luck. People show up to the stadium in Andrew Luck jerseys. Peyton's still on the roster. What are you talking about? You're, you're getting an Andrew Luck jersey? The kid's still playing at Stanford? Peyton is headed to the Hall of Fame. He's an Indianapolis Colt to beat, to beat all other Indianapolis Colts. And you're already getting the 12 jersey? Fat! I didn't like it. All right, Hench, go ahead. Goat and goat of the week. Okay, so so my good goat, uh, all caps of the week, you know, it's funny, leading up to opening day, and I, I'm not alone in this, obviously. A lot of people had the same idea, so I didn't actually get him. But I started hammering spaghetti for the inside story on Saquon. How does Saquon look? What's the plan? What's, you know, what's really going to happen? Is he going to destroy my fantasy team again? Uh, for the third time. And uh, and Spaghetti was like, the plan is to ride that guy. And he looks great. And he's, you know, he's in great shape. And so sure enough, watching him uh, explode. I mean, really, what one of the most thrilling guys to watch run, like just when he gets through that hole and then the, and is on the next level and those safeties hips are turning and you're like, Oh, you're already doomed. Like he's so explosive. Uh, so, so I loved the giants in week one. Um, and, and that was really fun to, you know, obviously from a human perspective, just to see a guy who's obviously so great, be great again. And then, you know, day ball, day ball with the, uh, day balls with the big day balls at the goal line, uh, I, I obviously I think with moving the extra point back, more teams should be that ballsy. Like mm -hmm. it's not guaranteed now. So Absolutely agree you should with go, it. Go go and try and win it against the tired defense. Um, but but again, and I think you pointed it out on our on our gambling draft check that move Saquon made on the two point conversion, like in a phone booth, he made a guy miss in a phone booth. Yeah, there's no there, there's no open space there. He created enough open space to angle in, into the end zone for the conversion. Hyperbole or not, like really, how many running backs, you know, that's not a Derrick Henry type cut. I mean, that jump cut, literally, I mean, like jumps 
himself about four feet to his right in tight quarters to get in there. I don't think there are more than four or five runners in the league that that could pull that one off. Um, yeah, remarkable stuff and nice. And what's also interesting as we go into Carolina Panthers, New York Giants game that you have Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley both available for the game. What were the chances of that? Who could have uh, been that optimistic? So that's fun uh, as well. Going we'll into we'll this get Sunday. to that pick in a second. Uh, but my, so my goat, my bad goat of the week, so many nominees, so many nominees. And I, I do want to leave time to talk about the, the Mount Rushmore of morons from week one, Zach Taylor, Frank Reich, Mike Vrabel, and Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, they, they all deserve their own 90-minute podcast about how, and Spaghetti put it in the chat that I can swear one last episode, but like, how fucking stupid are these guys? How fucking stupid are these morons that every year, every week, there's another scenario that you were not have not thought of that you're going to you're going to figure out how to not win this game from this position because the game moves too fast for you NFL head coach while everyone is screaming the same thing while Peyton Manning is signaling call timeout at 57 seconds no, you're the only guy the head coach the only guy who can't figure it out but those four guys I'll, I'll live to fight another day in terms of go to the week uh, because obviously this week of all weeks, there's only one miserable go to the week. And that's a guy who imagine sending an unsolicited dick pic. Okay. So it, it's like, you, you can't even imagine doing it. Like you, what, what happened? Brett Favre sent an unsolicited dick pic. This is insane. You're like, hold on. Not the most embarrassing, horrible text he's ever sent. Well, well, how is that possible? How's that possible? Oh, read these texts exchanged with, with Nancy New, who's ple- who's, who has pled guilty to 13 charges of welfare fraud. That's his texting buddy, Nancy New. She's already pled guilty. Um, now, I don't really know how Republican, former Republican Governor uh, uh, Bryant and, and Brett Favre are going to uh, uh, avoid some kind of sanctions, given that they're in these text threads where Brett Favre is saying like, hey, uh, Nancy, let's make sure no one in the media can find out that uh, that we're embezzling money <laughs> earmarked for poor kids. We can be pretty hard on Tom Brady on this show. Obviously, we've had a lot of fun at Aaron Rodgers' expense, but we need to always remember the scumbag of scumbags of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, never to be broken. This guy is one of the worst human beings on the planet. And uh, and so it's it's just it's it's perfect. It's just it's a perfect. Right. He is. He's a. the goat of the week for humanity. And it's because, you know, there's that old debate of uh stupid or liar. He lays bare like, Oh, I know this is wrong in the text message. I just hope nobody finds out about it. I mean, I, 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 I can see with my own two eyes, how atrocious this would look if Either anybody ever found out yes. about it. Exactly. But can we make yeah. sure, can we remove that part of it? Cause then I'm all in that. Even that was that's those, the disgrace. That, that's how immoral it is. Even with all those concussions, even Brett Favre can recognize the pure venality of what he's doing. He's like, wow, this is really bad even for me. 
Um, All right, there so, you go. Goat and goat and Eddie Spaghetti, you bring it on home. Who is, who's your goat of the week and also your goat of the week? So my goat of the week, my good goat, rather great goat, is my head coach, Brian Dayball, uh, kind of like Kent was talking about before. Um, and the reason is not just because I root for the team, but the Giants in the NFL's landscape have been irrelevant since they got whipped by the Packers in 2016 in the playoffs. Like, they have not started a season off with a win. And it's true. Winning in the NFL does cure everything. Getting a win like that in his aggressive style is just something this team needed. And Hendricks talking about Saquon Barkley being effective. Why is that? Because Brian Dayball utilized him the correct way they put players in the lineup that help Saquon succeed the O-line's improved great game plan letting uh, Daniel Jones throw the ball down the field and he would have had a better game too that interception was basically because of bad uh, passing uh, pass blocking that I'm going to chalk that up to he stayed on the receiver but besides that his aggressive style going for two getting him the wins they're playing for the tie is just so refreshing more coaches need to do that and this ties into my bad go to the week and you mentioned before too about the bad coaching decisions all those guys Vrabel hack had come to mind I mean the Giants game Vrabel you have Derrick Henry I think Henry texted this like and you're rolling out Ryan Tannehill lost four yards those four yards cost them the kick and that missed and uh you know and then the the Monday night game with Hackett uh everyone said this already 200 million dollar quarterback you have a receivers like uh Cortland Sutton you have Jerry Judy you have two great running backs in Williams and Melvin Gordon and then you choose with like a minute on the clock to not even run a play fourth and five for a 64 yard field goal it's like what are you what are you even doing in July and August like if you're a head coach like you I'm not saying that you have to put your starters in a full preseason game but you must must try these two-minute drills you must put your players your starters in these kind of you know real game scenarios and coaches don't only do that the offseason now is like your star players don't do anything they barely come off the, they barely come on the field and that's why you get stuck in these games and you, you put these rookie head coaches in bad spots and I just think it's terrible coaching so uh Dayball kudos to you for being aggressive and other coaches you should have been more aggressive because your cost your team's uh, a win and it's it's it was a lot of a lot of bad coaching in week one Chef, I agree. I want to piggyback on, on Spaghetti's uh, very astute analysis. Um, I'll just go kind of chronologically. Okay, Zach Taylor, why are you snapping the ball with 15 seconds on the play clock? What, what's happening right now? What There's 15 seconds on the play clock. Now, like to Spaghetti's point, a lot of times these scenarios sneak up on these guys and the game speeds up and they don't know what to do with 57 seconds left on the clock and the clock rolling. Like, do we burn a timeout? Would I, I, we, they, we panic. And I mean, you know, you, me, and Sal have been talking about this for what must be 20 years now. Every one of these teams needs a kid with glasses and a concave chest who's never played football, who, who only manages the clock. He literally just is looking at his chart and goes, you got to call timeout. What are you doing? So they, 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 there's nobody on the sideline that knows how to do this but everybody watching the game with us does know how to do this. So they're out there. So Zach Taylor, this didn't sneak up on Zach Taylor. There was an 11-minute conversation about Sammy Pirine advancing the fumble. Like, when that clock is wound, you've, ha- you've had time to go to every player on your punt unit and say, snap the ball with one second. Even the long snapper who cost them the game, you know, it, it doesn't matter when the bad snap happens to him. He'll just, you know, but he'll snap it one second. So Zach Taylor just obviously costs himself a tie by punting with with 15 seconds left on the play clock. And again, you, I mean, everybody, we all kind of follow our local team's coverage, but I don't do a deep dive into every local team's coverage of their shitty coach. But like, that's all Zach Taylor should have been asked about. 
That should have been the entire press conference. What the fuck were you thinking when that ball was snapped with 15 seconds on the play clock and the clock running and the other team getting the ball with a chance to win? Moron number one. Brutal. I think that's a completely legitimate concern, too, for Cincy going forward. I know they went to the Super Bowl with Zach Taylor last year, but those kind of things are little red flags, and if they mount, I think this Cowboys game, they better go and hammer Dallas down there with Cooper Rush under center. I, I, The other side of the coin is, I, you know, I, I said this the other day, but it's, it's true. Most of the voodoo of locker room rah-rah stuff is jive. I mean, it's just jive. It doesn't apply to what goes on. Look at Bill Belichick. There's no rah-rah there. It's technical and otherwise. Um, I do think that if there's a vibe of like, whoa, we're believing in this locker room, that can mean something. And the opposite can be true. Like, uh, you know, the Broncos better win on Sunday too, because you know, you lose at home to the Texans and now you're Owen two. People are immediately in the locker room going to be like, this is our guy. Are we sure? Well, I'll get to my thoughts on that guy in a second, but I want to real quick, just hit, I want to hit Reich and Vrabel together because, you know, again, you know, ever since Scott Norwood missed, you know, the most famous 47 year old, you know, why are you guys, you, have you guys never seen a missed 47 yarder like like that every if you look at the history of field goal kicking every yard further away you get the percentage goes down it doesn't it doesn't start going up again when you get to the high 40s so Reich and Vrabel being in in the exact mirror situation which is you have the two most dominant battering rams in the NFL by the way Taylor and Henry might score if you just run them up the middle, like there's no downside to running either of those hammers up the middle. The ball will get a little closer or a lot closer to this field goal. So that's that no downside. If you roll Tannehill or Matt Ryan's corpse out to the right to lose yards to fucking to make it like is the hash mark this critical thing? Like got to get it over here to the hash mark. Can you get it to the hash mark? Um, with a play that gains a yard or do you have to lose all this yardage that lowers the percentage because now the kicker has to put his leg through it to get it there so they do the exact same thing Blankenship and Bullock both miss and and cost one team uh, uh, well both cost both well, teams well, you know what I, I said the thing I always say about the flip in college football and the NFL is that college football used to have diversity of schemes and the NFL was pretty much the same offense everywhere around the league. Now it's flipped. There are different ways to skin a cat just because John Harbaugh has the luxury of deciding like, okay, yeah, we're what we're within 70 yards. Okay. That's close enough for Justin Tucker. doesn't mean that's how you should be playing things. Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I mean, I and also just because Mike Vrabel shouldn't be rolling Ryan Tannehill out in a critical spot. You should be rolling Russell Wilson at and putting pressure on the edge there. Perfect, on fourth and perfect five. Of segue. course. Perfect segue. You should, you should host these things for a living. Perfect mm. segue. Mm. So, um, yes, of course. Uh, and I texted immediately, Bullock's going to miss this. As soon as the karma gods go, like, what are you doing? The karma gods know that you you should you should run Derrick Henry up the middle. Okay. So, obviously, with the Zach Taylor, Frank Reich, Mike Vrabel trifecta on Sunday, you're like, there's no way there can be a worse coaching performance this week. There's no way. The week one uh, medal stand, gold, silver, bronze, is spoken for. No one's getting up on those podiums with their shitty coaching in week one. 
And then along comes Nathaniel Hackett in his debut in the big boy chair. This is the first time you've been in the big boy chair. So like Spaghetti's pointing out, have you have you considered scenarios? Have you considered endgame scenarios? By the way, you grew up in the game, right? You've been around the facility. You're a legacy. You're old man. What's the earliest home movie of you running around on the field in, in short pants as a three-year-old with your old man? Like, you know how football works, right? So overwhelmed by the scenario, gacks it completely. And so then the then both Russell, poor Russell, is forced to, to repeat the party line. And then and then Hackett says it again. Our our target was the 46. Okay. A 64-yard field goal is eight yards further than the longest field goal in the history of that stadium. If in fact your target was the 46-yard line, you're a bigger moron than we thought you were. Right. Another you, great you example of stupid or liar. Right. Yeah. You you going, hey man, we got the ball. Oh, hey, our own 30 was the target line. Our own 30-yard line was the target. Well, well, that's terrible. What he's never going to get it there. So you saying like we just wanted to get we just wanted to get a 64-yard field goal attempt. Well, and of course, everyone's pointed out McManus is now like 0 for 7 or 8 from beyond 62, as most guys are. You know, Koo had a chance to win it for the Falcons at the gun, but 63 and 64 are rare and hard. However, fourth and five gets converted 48% of the time. And if you convert fourth and five, guess what? You're definitely going to win because this guy does have a huge leg. And if it's if it's a 52-yarder, he is going to make it. And, so, they, and those numbers include Case Keenum and otherwise, too, the 48%. Right. Exactly. Your guy is Russell no. Wilson. You just you just de- paid right. him all that money and traded away all these viable players to get him. That exactly. is the four, his number ain't 48%. Exactly. If you have Teddy Bridgewater under center, you still should go for it on fourth and five. You happen to have Russell Wilson coming home. Okay, now, but this is this is where I I feel like to your point about like locker rooms might start to lose faith in the guy running the ship. Uh, when you see things like this transpire. And by the way, nice too for for him 24 hours later to go, you know, we should have gone for it. I like like yeah, you don't have 24 <laughs> hours to make these decisions, buddy. You're going to have to make them in real time because you're not a fucking coordinator anymore. You're in the big boy seat. And that's it. So now, but I've been thinking about this. Okay. How do you, how do you grow up in the game? You grow up around football. You're around football players and football coaches your whole life and still, and still want to be called Nathaniel. Ah, we park our cars in the same garage. Oh my God. Exactly. The red flag oh is that. That's all I need to know about him. Hey, there's the Carolina Panthers, splashy and, and uh, uh, smart alecky and should go into the Hall of Fame sooner rather than later. Steve Smith. And then there is Steve Smith, the broadcast. No, no, no. I'm Stephen A. Thank you. That tells me all I need to know. Yeah, same I thing. Know. If I go, if I go, it's my it's my buddy Dave Damashek, and Sheck goes, it's David, it's David. <laughs> so I mean, how many people have tried to call this guy Nate? Like this guy, people have been trying to call this guy Nate for thirty five years, and and somebody's been correcting them. It's Nathaniel. Like so, what I would say is like, Coach, you're going to lose the locker room. That Red was a, an abomination in week one. Here's what we're going to do because we don't, you know, the whiplash is going to be tough. 
we're going to give you one year of Nathan. And then next year is Nate. Nate Hackett. <laughs> Who doesn't want to go in a battle with Nate Hackett? That's like, right. That's right. Nathaniel, are you kidding me? Nathaniel is a lifetime coordinator. Nate is, is Dayball. He's got yeah. like, anyway, so uh, obviously the, the Broncos got lucky with the schedule makers, I think, because I don't, I don't see them. I don't see them going 0-2 uh, at home against the Texans. Um, but just a, just a spectacular series of terrible coaching decisions. I agree with you. Here's another bad name decision as we'll move into our picks here is uh, I think it worked as a, as a student athlete, almost won the Heisman, uh, turned a program around. Kenny Pickett was fine for a kid. Now you're in the pros. Got to become Ken Pickett. I don't know that we can rally around Kenny. I don't know. We'll, we'll, time will tell. Well, for now, I mean, it's, it's uh, obviously Ken Stabler was both, right? I mean, it, you know, sometimes he was Kenny Stabler, sometimes right. he was Ken. Right. So maybe, maybe we can get, you know, you'd be happy with that career. If Although, he wants to grow a beard like that and uh, and just be generally unkempt and burn nails while he talks to opposing teams' cheerleaders, and, then we can then then I'll allow Ken drink a case of blitz after every game. <laughs> That's um, right. All right. So okay, let's do our picks. And I do want to say, I said the best quarterback division ever. When you're talking about the kickers, it did occur to me the other day. AFC North, um, Tucker, the best of all time. Chris Boswell's been great, uh, saved that one year, but he's been gangbusters and clutch uh, for the vast majority of it. Cade York booting him. He apparently has limitless range. And Evan McPherson, all the gacks notwithstanding with the bad holding and all that in week one, projects to be one of the greats too he made a 59 yarder that looked like it would be good from 75 too is that the best collection of kickers that division's ever seen well, maybe while I, you I, meditate I, I, you you might be right it's certainly an incredible batch i just feel bad for the holder you just threw under the bus because none of that was the holder's fault but like bad holding. i'm sorry not holder's fault right <laughs> jesus i that say that was- all the time though why we don't celebrate those guys enough the he was snapper the, he was it's doing come the up like sick it's come up like four times in the history of pro football. Tony Romo dropped the snap in the playoff game. Uh, the Giants guy, I don't even remember who it was, couldn't snap the ball. Junkin? A, it was like Trey Junkin. Yeah, exactly, Trey Junkin. And, you know, I have a, how many times is that a factor? I, shouldn't they drop the ball more? Shouldn't the snap be bad? That's not a, a, a given when you it, have a 300-pound man how, lined up across just, from you. We just take the operation completely for granted. But, by the way, on the McPherson GAC, on the high snap, because I believe it was third down, that was actually a moment where the holder did an incredible job to get that high snap down. Should have eaten it. Should have eaten it. Because yeah. it was third down, and you're like, okay, this operation is fucked up. He did a heroic job to get it down, but obviously McPherson's cadence is completely messed up, and he and he shanks it to the left. That that would have been a pretty heady play to just eat it and then and then live to kick. I'm you know, still waiting from- for the research to prove me right. There can have been two missed field goals and then a made third one in the same overtime frame in NFL. Well, what was that? that Packers, was, wasn't Packers-Bengals? Packers-Bengals had an insane... Uh, now that you say that, McPherson missed one and Crosby missed one, but I don't think those were overtime. But you, it, uh, maybe uh, whenever you say that couldn't have ever happened before, people say, like, in fact, four times previously. But okay, let's right. get into the here okay. and now. Let's go. We well, do hey, NFL. Let's start, because I feel like it's a, it's a good... It's a place we've been all around... It's hilarious to me 
that, you know, we say don't overreact to week one, you know, be mature, be a fucking grown up. Don't overreact to week one. Mm. And yet, if you watch the games, you're like, that wasn't a fluke and they're doing something different and that guy's a good coach. And so I think it's funny that my reaction after one week of Brian Dayball is they're only giving two. Like, it's funny that I'm already like, wow, the Giants are only giving two. That's going to be one of my best bets. And I am on the Giants. I believe in this Giants team. I, I think they do start 4-0. And, uh, and I, you know, they're going to they're gonna keep it going this week by covering that tiny number against the Panthers. All right. That's fun. I'm going to take the Giants as well. I'm tepid at best. These are not teams that are powerhouses either way. I The interesting question that I said to Spaghetti, you know, as he was still uh, basking in the glow, I think he still is, of that uh, improbable comeback in Nashville, do you think the Giants can win that division now with Dak down for the next month to six weeks, Hench? Absolutely. Hmm. By the way, I feel like it's a weird thing. Everyone was like going, oh, no, the Cowboys season is in jeopardy because Dak broke his thumb. Um, the Cowboys season was already over. That team sucks. Like, I don't know what what were Dak, Dak's throws. I know it's a good defense. I know it's an active defense. But Dak's decision-making in his throws, that one throw where he rolled out, he just had a guy running wide open 10 yards downfield. It's like he's he's rolling to his strong side, to his throwing arm, He's got like, I think the throw our daughters could make to a wide open guy. He puts it two body lengths behind the guy. Like where, where, no, no, no. This needs to be two body lengths in the other direction that he's running in. He made so many terrible throws. And, and then the other thing that always seems to happen with the Cowboys is you, you know, going like, think about that Thanksgiving game last year. You're like, oh, this team's poorly coached. They're poorly coached. Like, you know, the the the, the poor offensive That's line right. getting the three false starts. You're like, yeah, this team doesn't to, to Spaghetti's point, did you practice? Do you have a snap count? What how do you, you know, so CD Lamb, sadly, you know, $32 I bid on him, you know, is it doesn't seem like he's ever gonna make the leap. And I that defense played great, but that team feels like a mess. So so then once you eliminate them which I think now we, you know, everybody would agree now that, that by the way, surgery to your throwing thumb? How's I, that, how that's going to be like, hey. Well, why is this a bigger story than Matt Stafford, though? I mean, the, yeah. the, that well, elbow, I mean, there, well, I didn't we'll see get, a ton we'll of evidence that makes me think like, oh, yeah, he's fine. See, we'll get to, we'll that, get to Rams Falcons. All in that second, consternation. But, and by um, the way, I'll jump into the Cowboys game right now. I'm on the Cowboys. That's too many points for the Bengals going down there. I get chip on the shoulder and all that, but Joe Burrow's got to be spooked at this point after what you saw with uh, Tank Lawrence and Micah Parsons. That continues to be a position of strength for um, for the Cowboys. I I, I don't think I I don't know. We'll see if you're overreacting or not. And the other one is, as I said for a month in advance of kickoff, here is the two the pair of teams I can't make sense of the New England Patriots and Miami Dolphins will know much better come Monday morning about them. Like are the pa like Patriots in Pittsburgh. I have my hunch that the Patriots are going to get out of there with a W and then the Dolphins that that's one of those ones that like, I don't want to make a too, too, too wild a, a comp, but you know, greatest show on turf. 
you know, you put enough speed on the field there. You can jump the league for, for a full season. Is that like, wonder by mid season will be like, yeah, we all knew that Tyreek Hill and, uh, you know, the, what are, who's going to be able to contend with the, with the wheels that they put out there on offense. Um, I will know a lot after this game in Baltimore. So well, I just set up the game and now we'll bounce right, who around. Are you picking? Here. Who are you picking? It, well, first of all, I'm taking the Giants in that game. Yeah. Um, next but game, Dolphins, spaghetti. You're, you're taking Giants too, right? Giants, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think it's a home run pick. I actually feel better about the game versus the Cowboys than I do versus uh, the Panthers. Everybody feels good. better about that game now. When yeah, did we play well, the Cowboys? Like the, the, here's the, running to the bat rack when the shitty pitcher's out there. Hey, when do we get the Cowboys? It still scares me that, you know, the Baker's ability for that deep ball threat. I mean, they have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and McCaffrey didn't have a great game, but he could, um, you know, get things going. But the, the Giants are getting back their edge rushes, which will help. I said Adore Jackson had an awesome game versus Tennessee. So uh, it, it, there's a chance. But, I, you know, if the Giants stick with their game plan, no mistakes from DJ and Saquon runs the ball effectively again, I think they should be able to, to win at home. Well, you talk about winning a locker room and losing a locker room. Matt Rule goes up there. They get uh, if the Giants beat him up. Um, all those people who said Matt Rule's going to be the first head coach to lose his job are probably going to be in good shape, anybody who wagered on that one. But all right, let's do that other game because, and as I keep saying this week, I wish we could flex Sunday night football at a whim. All this, oh, you need to know however many weeks in advance. Wouldn't it be nice? Who Do we need Packers and Bears again? The Bears, I know, uh, double-digit uh, favorites in week two. I'll generally shy from, but the Packers are going to whip the Bears. I don't. We don't have to talk about that unless anybody wants to push back on that. Um, but this Dolphins Ravens one is juicy. The Dolphins may not have either of their starting tackles on offense, which is a terrible mismatch against the Ravens. But they're beating up are the Ravens in the secondary again? That, those wheels. I wonder if we leave it and be like, oh, look out now. All of a sudden, maybe the Bills aren't going to just run away with the AFC East. How say you, Hench? Uh, I, I've got it on our little extra points thing, plus three and a half. And that's, oh, you do. So we agree. I'm taking the the points. Um, you know, that, that Ravens jets game ended up being, it was ugly for a long time, you know? And it's like, he did make a couple of incredible throws, but like, I'm not, uh, I'm not fully there on the Ravens. And I do, you know, obviously I watched the dolphins kick the shit out of my team and I'm a believer, you know, I, I, I like them, uh, over nine wins. And, uh, I just think if you're getting three and a half, uh, that's a good bet. I think they're, they're ascendant, you know, and, and two is good enough. He's good enough. I wonder if this is a great test, you know, strength at the line of scrimmage, both sides. That seems to be like the flaw in these dolphins. But as I say, short term, meaning a full season Maybe, you know, sort of like, you know, the U when they would play Ohio State or whomever. It was like, you know, physical strength versus speed. What's going to win here? This is a, 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 a splendid matchup in that regard. And you talk about different ways to skin the cat. The way two and the Dolphins are trying to do it versus the way Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are trying to do it versus the rest of the league more conventionally. I, I love this matchup. I wish we could all watch it on Sunday night. And I am with you. I'm taking uh, the Dolphins plus the three and a half up in uh, in Charm City. Spaghetti? 
I think with uh, J.K. Dobbins coming back and being healthy, you know, he's practicing yesterday. Uh, unsure about today, but I, I think if they'll control the clock and you know the Ravens' defense a little bit different than what uh, Miami had to play last week, and I just don't know. Yes, the receivers are great. Uh, Tyree Kill actually shocked me how effective he was in, in Week One. I'm not sure if two is the level yet where he could pick apart uh, you know an upper tier defense like the Baltimore Ravens. So I still like the uh, the Ravens laying. I believe the three and a half now on our EP site. Well, the other thing that we talked about all off season was those uh, those individual player season long props rush yards Lamar Jackson that was the one I was most bullish on I don't want to say it too loud spaghetti uh I don't want to you know Saquon I did tell you about that one too that he's going to go over he's I mean what is he like uh at this point I mean, he is literally almost like 15 percent of the way there 20 percent of the way there to his season total Lamar Jackson's not going to hit 900 yards not with that contract or lack of contract he's not going to run the ball nearly as much as we've seen so that's going to be a factor too to your point Hench about not being all in on the Ravens. We'll see how that one goes. Um, Buccaneers, Saints, Tom Brady, Jameis Winston. A lot of people have, in the last three weeks, with all the personal stuff with Tom Brady, have abandoned Tampa and jumped on NOLA. How say you, Hench, Saints, um, plus two and a half at home? Well, it's so crazy. You know, you go, you spend all summer trying to convince people to get on the plus 300 for the Saints to win that division. And then they just get pushed around for 50 minutes by the Falcons. You're like, what happened? Uh, I thought that, you know, I, I got, I took their defense in fantasy. I'm like, this is going to, they're, they're going to, Atlanta's going to be a cakewalk for this team. Meanwhile, they're, they're down. What were they down? 16 in the fourth quarter. Um, so, uh, lost a lot of faith in my Saints pick watching them, uh, watching Taysom Hill be their best offensive player. But on the flip side, the Bucks defense is fantastic. I mean, that that's no joke. That's that, the that, story nobody's talking about. It's, oh, Dak looked terrible, and this Cowboys season yeah. is already over with. How about that Bucks defense? Yeah, Jeez. both, by the way, both things can be true. And when the quarterback is terrible and the defense is great, you score three points. That's what, that's how that combo works. Both Mm -hmm. things are true. So, um, I, you know, I do have part of the reason I've been pushing the saints relentlessly in the lead up to the season was because of just the inevitability of regression from this bucks offense. Like, come on, you can't, he can't keep doing it. And then, you know, key pieces getting dinged. Obviously, uh, I, I assume Godwin's out. It's not as bad as they thought, but like, you know, that's a, that's a, that's your security blanket. Right. So, um, that said, I'm on the bucks laying the small number because, you know, the, the bucks run the ball really well and that defense is really good. And so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm already losing faith in my new Orleans to win that division. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, specifically with this matchup against the bucks and I generally will, will, uh, lean in the direction of the team that has the other team's number. Um, hence chargers over chiefs, um, that we just watched, right. Or it hasn't happened it was either amazing. way. I just Armstead I, leaves. They replace him in the first round with Penning Penning's out too. Uh, so that should be a, a favorable matchup for Shaq Barrett and company there. And the two mooses they have on the interior of the, they're, they're, they're loaded that defense. That's the takeaway for me. I'm on the bucks. Spaghetti. How say you? 
I still like the Bucs. Um, you guys already talked about it. the defense is great. Jameis is prone to those turnovers, and I think the Bucs could force them. Uh, don't really love the Saints ground game. And I know the, the Bucs, I think, have like five receivers on the injury list, but they still have enough on offense, enough juice uh, with Tom Brady to, to get by. I think the number's too small, so I like the Bucs in this one. So many good games to go over here, but I want to just get uh, hit, a, hit a couple few more and shout out any that you feel you definitely want to weigh in on here. Let's make sure we get to Patriots at Steelers again. I I never call a game a must-win game unless it is, in fact, a must-win game, which would mean that if you lose that game, your season ends. Um, but I I feel like Belichick has to know, like, boy, this would be bad to be 0-2. Uh, the schedule does soften up, though, after the first month. I'm going Patriots here in Pittsburgh. I don't like that the number has actually uh, been built up in the Patriots' favor. Minus 2.5 at last check. Hench, how say you? Um, <laughs> that feels like a lot of lumber for I this know. particular matchup. Like, like, uh, I, I like the Steelers catching a little, uh, catching a couple points at home. Um, I, I don't, I don't particularly like the Steelers and it bums me out that I'm not well on my way to cashing my under seven and a half wins because Zach Taylor doesn't know anything about football apparently. But, um, this week, uh, you know, as the, by the way, Pick against the Patriots every week. You're going to go 12 and five uh, on that team. So uh, I I do. I'm not overly confident in this Liz Frank. You know, <laughs> when Liz Frank is your starting tailback, I don't think you're you're necessarily <laughs> going to score a ton of points. And you know, but Najee Harris it's apparently such a progressive. I would think you would be excited you know, about uh, Liz Najee Harris is Najee Harris is good to go. Um, I I don't you know I don't think he's going to have 120 yards rushing. But I think, you know, I, I felt like Trubisky did exactly what you described, um, you know, his the, the, what he would add uh, if you were looking for reasons to think Trubisky wouldn't be an immediate downgrade from seven. Trubisky did a very, you know, very serviceable job against the Bengals. And I think, you know, he keeps it up. In, in week two against a, a pretty bad team that got to run him at the edge more is the thing to do with him, roll him out more, uh, move the pocket as they say are the plays. But to me, if you're not going to have a traditional run game, get the ball in the hands of, and I know those swing passes when you have no deep threat, but the difference between last year and this year with the Steelers is not just Ben Roethlisberger and a mobile quarterback. It's that you have legit wheels in, you know, it was Deontay Johnson and he had to play possession receiver and Chase Claypool was an imperfect deep threat. Now with George Pickens, you should be able to spook any defense enough to clear some space to get the ball in one of those guys' hands on a swing pass and let them try to make hay against the soft corners of of the Patriots. I think that's the, what the Steelers are going to at least try. I don't know what to think about this. Spaghetti, weigh in. So in the offseason, I was higher on the Patriots than most, definitely higher than Hench. I thought Mac Jones did a solid job last year. I thought Jacoby Myers was really – he's an underrated receiver. That guy had like 126 targets. I thought he had, could step up to be a real number one. He would have positive touchdown regression. Reversely, I thought the Steelers made the wrong decision by starting Mitch Trubisky. Never really bought into him. I thought Kenny Pickett uh, – I really liked him in college. I thought they should have actually done the Mac Jones thing and put him in because I love the ground game. I love the defense. Um, so in this game, obviously things didn't go the way, uh, the Patriots won in week one. I thought the Steelers defense, you know, you said it before the defending, uh, well, the team that was in the Super Bowl, the Bengals, like 
five turnovers is a lot. I know the Bengals probably played as worse they possibly could play, but the defense forcing that means something to me. And I know well, Najee, yeah, but like uh, it wasn't like, oh my God, how, what a fluke that was! And it hit the guy in the head, and then it caromed into the. The, right. the Steelers were forcing those plays. Right, and uh, I, Najee uh, just read that he's a, was a full participant in practice today. They're getting you know two points right now in Caesars at home, being a home dog. I'm not sure what the Patriots did really to to, to prove that. Um, I I like you know I know Mitch Trubisky said that they have to be more aggressive and they should have done more with making points off those turnovers, but I think they'll score enough. Um, and I like them getting two points at home, so I do like the Steelers in this game. Gotta be three and one by the time they get to the brutal stretch that's upcoming for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Also, Jesse James did catch it. Ooh, by the way, look on social media at Damashek. I did an ifsburg. What would have happened had the Jesse James catch counted back in 2017? I think that was specifically Steelers would have been the number one seed. Um, but go and find that. Uh, we're gonna get through our picks here. Vikings and Eagles. Oh, this is this is a fun game to see where these two teams are early in the season. Early in the season, Vikes catching two in Philly. How say you, Hench? You know, again, we finally have some game film on these teams, and uh, I, I got to go with the team that just dominated the Packers versus a team that gave up 35 points to Detroit. Uh, I, the, the Vikings uh, rising my for real meter. You know, they are they are coming. That they seem to be good in all phases. Um, so I think that continues in Philly. I agree with that, except that the Eagles are also that. And Jalen Hurts, uh, it's funny because it all just boils down to the negative opinions about the Eagles just are, well, except for Jalen Hurts. He hasn't done, he hasn't been gangbusters consistently, but he hasn't been putrid consistently either. So I don't know why he catches so many slings and arrows. Um I'm going to go Eagles at home here. Ooh. Um, I, I, this is a scary one. Uh, not enough information. This is what I'm talking about. See, you can get on my early season picks. I'm not. If this were a week eight or week nine game, I'd see it clearly. But right now, it, it's murky. I'm going to go with the home team here, Spaghetti. Look, I know I've been ragging on the Eagles. I know I've been saying I'm not a fan of Jalen Hurts and, and stuff like that. And now with the DAG injury, it's like it's probably easier for them to win the division. But, like, shouldn't we be concerned they gave up 35 points at the Detroit Lions with, like, Jared Goff, a quarterback? I, I mean, to me, it's it's pretty insane. And you, you're, the team coming in now, I know it's a home game for the Eagles, uh, but they have Justin Jefferson, who's the clear-cut best receiver in football, and, uh, like, a legitimate threat to, like, unseat a quarterback winning MVP and potentially win MVP with Kirk Cousins at his quarterback, who's, you know, pretty pedestrian. Uh, you know, plus they have Dalvin Cook, and they have Adam Thielen, who's no slouch either. They have an explosive offense. If the Detroit Lions could start 35 points, I think the Vikings could. The Vikings are getting two points. I need to see more of Jalen Hurts. Uh, I know he had a pretty good passing game. AJ Ryan had a nice game, but the Vi- the Vikings could be explosive. And you know, I- I'm sorry if the Lions are putting up those points to you. And I think they will be an improved Lions team. I think the Vikings could also do that. So I like the Vikings getting two. All right, very good. And let's just quick pick a couple more here, uh, and then we'll get out of here. The Colts and Jags suddenly is intriguing stuff. Colts laying four. In Duval County, I'm going with the Jags here. How say you, uh, Hench? That was that was one I hovered over for quite a while, but I did land on the Jags and the points. I mean, mm-hmm. I was thoroughly disgusted by that Colts performance in Week One. Um, you know, uh, not. I mean, obviously, um, Reich stole all the headlines with the rollout and the missed field goal, but Matt Ryan fumbled three snaps. <laughs> like, is he okay? 
what's going on? Like I, you know, so, so I, I, my, my analysis was like, and I think I missed, I missed Brissette in this, in this descent, but it was like, you know, so you, you went, what'd you go? Luck, Brissette's in there somewhere, but Luck, Rivers, Wentz, Ryan might be continuing, you know, the Escher painting is like, are these stairs going down or up? Um, Ryan, it's, they're going down. Matt Ryan stinks. Hmm. So, so I, that's what ended me up on the, uh, on the, on the Jags. It is funny that like, well, Tom Brady provides a new yardstick to judge everybody by, uh, when a guy gets into his late thirties or what the look, Brady won a Super Bowl. It doesn't necessarily apply to every human being. I, I just like that Jags defense is the thing that I think people aren't talking nearly enough about spaghetti. Uh, your pick on that one. It's funny that Hench said that about the Matt Ryan too, because it is weird with the Colts, the process of going the Phil Rivers route, the Wentz route, and Matt Ryan route. And I, I maybe I'm dumb, but I was like, hey, Matt Ryan threw for almost four thousand yards last year with the Falcons team of uh, who missed everyone. Um, so I thought, you know, the Colts, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor on the ground game, good offense line, they'd be great. Really weird game last uh, last week for the for the Colts, and I know on this pod we do a lot of the confidence meter. This game, it's like a zero for me. I really have no feel. I agree with um, that. <laughs> yeah, and and our EP side, I know the the Jags are home. To Dogs getting four points, and since I'm pulling the Costanza and trying to improve my one and fourteen, normally I'd go with the Colts, just the better roster. But I'm going to go with the Jags, home dogs, getting the four points uh, from our site. So I like the Jags in this one uh, for some reason. And last, uh, last thought here, Hench, uh, pick us uh, the NFC's best uh, new rivalry: Seahawks, 49ers, Geno and company in. Not the stick, whatever they call that place. The Levi, right? Levi Stadium. Hawks uh, getting eight and a half against it, it, Trey Lance and company. It's so wild, and we can we'll just do these two together and then say goodbye. But like I, th- that line seems crazy to me, and the Rams Falcons line seems crazy to me. Like I don't know, like what what you know. Obviously, the Niners showed nothing. The Niners not only showed nothing, they lost their starting tailback. So now you're saying Trey Lance and Jeff Wilson are eight and a half points better than than the Seahawks. And and with the Rams, uh, you know, the Falcons are, are played played well up until up until midway through the fourth quarter. And the Rams were god awful. I mean, I know the Bills get after it, but like some of those throws were just like that's just a bad throw. Like that's terrible. So I think both those numbers are way too high. Um, and, and I will, I will take, take those points on both those games. It's funny. I I will split the difference there. I'll go Falcons plus 10 and a half in SoFi, but I'll take the Niners. They'll take care of the Seahawks. That was a emotional win for Seattle. Come down a little bit for them. A lot of questions all of a sudden, as I said on extra points, and I'll say again now, the concern about Trey Lance, a lot of it is, well, I mean, I guess it's that they scored 10 points against the bum Bears and lost in week one. That's the main concern. But also it's the micro pulling clips and saying, look at that throw by Trey Lance. That's stunk. That's a problem. It's like, He's Josh Allen from Josh Allen's first two years. See, it's not who he is supposed to be. Nobody ever said he was going to be surgical in his accuracy or anything. He's a he's a, pl- a player who can deliver some splash plays for you. And on a loaded roster, that should be enough. Although the offensive line ain't great. I'm going to take the Niners minus eight and a half. Spaghetti, bring us on home. 
Uh, quickly, the Falcons, uh, I'll pro- I, I'm taking them in our EP picks. Uh, it's a lot of points. I just feel like I could see them scoring a late touchdown and bring it within the, the 10, 10 and a half, whatever is on our site. Uh, with the 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 49ers game, I you know I don't know if Mike Martz has an axe to grind or anything, but he went pretty hard at him. I listened to his comments about Trey Lance, and I was never a big believer in Trey Lance. He's very green, and like the injuries keep piling up. I know George Kill too, who we didn't mention, like didn't practice yesterday. Jenga the Seahawks. Yep, and the Seahawks, uh, Geno Smith, I don't know where the Geno Smith was with the, when he was on the Giants and the Jets, but he looked uh, okay with the the Seahawks, and I know they're void of talent, but it's still a lot of points for a not-impressive 49ers team, so I'm actually going to go with the Seahawks. High pedigree means you can do that on occasion, what Geno did. It's the inability to be consistent with performances like that. And by the way, it wasn't like it was some world-beater performance by Geno. It was a great first quarter. Either way, congratulations to uh, Geno. Not 17, yeah, 17, 17 for 18, 164 yards. It was awesome. Touchdowns. No, it was great. I, mean, it was they, I don't know why they kind of put the wraps back on him, you know, like they 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 kind of shut him down. But I just, you know, as a, as a parting thought, it's funny to imagine Mike Martz watching the same games we watched and then going like, I didn't see any bad clock management. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, why are you so upset? Like, is Mike Martz the only viewer who also just goes like, yeah, that's what you do, right? You snap the ball with 15 seconds on the play clock. No, Mike. No, Mike, you never got it, Mike. You never got it. No, you didn't get uh, that Super Bowl ring when you played the New England Patriots way back when. That's for sure. All right, best to your Patriots. Not really. I hope they lose. Um, And uh, that goes for everybody. I hope your team wins unless they're playing my team. Great stuff, Kevin Hench. Eddie Spaghetti, great week of shows on the Extra Points Network. Go back and track them all down. In fact, we're not done yet. Eddie Spaghetti, Jen Piacente, getting your right waiver wired in advance of the Thursday night kickoff. Check that one out, extrapoints.com. Into the arcade, play with us. Don't forget, Mr. Lister on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Join us. We'll have a couple of guests to go head-to-head, and you can be one of our guests, too. You can call in and participate in our sports trivia and until the other side of the sports weekend when we'll come back and try and make sense of it all for you thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven